0: The title of today's message is called Fighting Depression. Fighting Depression. We're going to talk right about depression today. So, hey, round two is over. And... uh Round three, let's go. All right, so here we go, fighting depression. Let's talk a little bit about it and uh, let's look at what scripture says. Proverbs 23, verse seven says this, for as he thinks, everybody say thanks. thanks. Thanks in his heart, so is he. As he thinks in his heart. And if you were here last week, I'm gonna just show you this quick diagram just so you, you can get, a, get a, uh, up to date on where we are. We, we showed the soul cycle, the idea that the, our soul is made up of our mind and our emotions and our will. And the reason why the enemy is so after your mind is because he knows if he can get after your mind, if he can get after what you're thinking about, then he can control your your feeling and he can control your doing, your behavior. And so if there's areas in your life that you don't like that you're doing, it's usually based off of how you're feeling and how you're thinking. And so today uh, we're talking about depression. We're talking about uh, mental illness. And this is kind of a taboo thing often in the church. Uh, that many of us just don't talk about. And today, we're gonna pull back the the curtain and we're gonna talk about this because more people battle with this than you even imagine when it comes to this. This year has been a struggle for so many people. There have been more people battling mental illness and depression in the last... 12 months than ever before with all that we've got going on. We've got, of course, all the COVID stuff that happened and people just coming out of that. And then you've got just PTSD. Many people say that in the next six months, 12, year, 12 months to a year and a half, we're going to see more people battling with PTSD than ever before, even greater than any time when we were in war because everybody has walked through this season of just trauma, trauma, trauma. Everybody has had major loss in your life, whether that's been loss of a loved ones, people have loss of of not being able to go see their their granddaughter being born at the hospital. Some people have had the loss of not going to graduation. Some people have had the loss of of relationships. There's just been so much loss, so many things that are going on. Uh, So many of my good friends are in the police or EMTs, and, and they're just talking about All of the stuff that they're having to deal with mentally and emotionally when they're going to all these calls all the time. And then, of course, you got soldiers, of course, that are coming back now that are having PTSD from war and all the things that are going on. And uh, physical illness is normal for many of us, but it's weird because when people start talking about mental illness, it's like weird, Uh, it's like a stigma. Uh, when someone comes to us and says that they were diagnosed with cancer, we say, man, I'm praying for you, man, you, do you have a good doctor, man, are you, are you changing your diet, are you, uh, do you need anything? But when people tell us that they're battling with depression or they're battling with PTSD, it's almost like we ostracize them because we don't know what to do. And how many you know more people battle with that than they probably do with the physical side? And so I, I'm just here today to say, listen, if, if you're battling through that, I'm glad you're here. If you're watching online, I'm glad you're here. We're going to uncover that and unpack that a little bit because, I know, mean, th- mental illness is just as much of an illness as physical illness is just as much. And, and if Jesus can heal physical illness, how many believe Jesus can heal mental illness as well? If, if we can get to Jesus, that's the good news of the gospel is that Jesus can heal it. And so we live in a fallen world and we have that. And so I wanna, I wanna share two thoughts to you um, before we really dive into depression and, and then how do we get out of it. I wanna, I wanna share two big thoughts with you if you wanna write these down. This is my first thought going out the gate for anybody in here that's ever struggled. And, 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 and I don't know if we wanna do do this or not you, you can participate if you want but if you have over the last 12 months or so just battled with your thoughts battle with maybe being overly sad maybe borderline depressed maybe fully depressed maybe you've had some ptsd if you're here in this room and you've struggled with that would you just shoot your hand up all across this room okay i'm preaching the right people all right just want to make sure here there's a lot of people that are going through that so i want you to hear this for all those that just raised your hand you are not alone you're not alone and, and, and the devil loves to whisper this lie, that you are all alone, that you are the only one that's dealing with this. And I just want you to know you are not alone at all. Let me, let me just show you some stuff that's going on because more people are dealing with this than you can imagine. Antidepressants. The actual pills, the, the, the medicine for it, which, by the way, if you're on it, that's, that's fine. I mean, that's, that's not a bad thing at all. Uh, some people really need to be on it, but I want to show you how, how bad it is now. Antidepressants over the last year, the market grew 14.3 billion in 2019 to 28.6 in 2020. That's the real deal right there. That's almost double the amount uh, from the previous year. Another statistic is this. The National Institute of Mental Health said this. One in five American adults live with some kind of mental illness. One in five, 20% of people. One, two, three, four, five, you. One, two, three, four, five, you. Now, if I was pointing to you, I'm not, I mean, unless it fits. Uh, (laughs) Now, in the world, in the world, the National World Organization said one in four in the world will experience mental issues and mental illness and depression and PTSD and great sorrows. And hey, watch this, watch this. And it attacks everyone. Yes. Hey, listen, it doesn't matter if you're white or black, you still deal with it. It doesn't matter if you're a teenager or if you're in the 60s, 70s or 80s, you still deal with this. It doesn't, watch this, it doesn't even matter if you have a lot of money or if you're poor. Come on, how many of you know, hey, listen, some of the most depressed people have the most money. So don't, don't buy into the lie, well, if we just make more money, then I won't be depressed and I'll be happy and I'll have the house. And I have, I've seen people have the greatest houses, greatest cars, and be the most depressed, and I've seen people who have nothing that have the most joy. And so it has nothing to do with financial status. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. And watch this, and here's, here's the other thing. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or non-Christian. Yep. So just, just in the, a couple years ago, there was a, there was a pastor that uh, took over his father's church. And, and maybe you've seen this on the news. It was all over the news when this, when this happened. And uh, unfortunately, it's happened many, many times since then. But there was a, a pastor, he was young, 30 years old. His father had passed away and he took over his, his father's church and, and the church was growing and thriving and booming and doing incredible things. And uh, man, just success on the outside. But what people didn't know is that this pastor struggled with deep depression uh, inwardly for years and years and years and years and years and years. And, and, and if you would have gone to the church, this guy preached the house down, the church was growing, things were happening, and at 30 years old, couldn't take it anymore and took his own life. Uh, actually, I have a picture of him. This is the guy right here. Three boys, wife, and um, his wife knew about the, the struggle. Watch this, watch how crazy and how, how the enemy works here. He took his life while he was in the middle of a series on mental illness. He's preaching about mental illness. And then that week takes his, takes his own life. I'm telling you, the, the, the enemy does not care if you don't love God or if you do love God. He's coming for you either way. And, and this is a real deal thing that's happening. And uh, come on, how many know as a church, it's time for us to speak up. It's time for us to, to pull back the curtain. It's time for us to say, hey, listen, if this is you and you struggle with it, you are safe in this place. This is for you. Listen, a broken church that doesn't have broken people is a broken church. We need to have those type of people in this house. And I mean, no, the church has the hope, has the answer, has the key, has the support system. I mean, all that, that, all that a person needs to come out of depression and mental illness. I mean, no, God provides through his local church. That's what he provides through it. And so today, today we're gonna, we're gonna dive into that. So, so if you've heard this whisper that you're alone, man, you're the only one that's struggling with that. You're the only one that's thinking those thoughts. No, you're not. No, you're not. Second thing that I'd wanna tell you is this, you can be a Christian and fight depression. Because people unfortunately have said really wrong things and they, they give almost like prescription scriptures to you. Like, oh, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be battling that stuff. I mean, if you were really saved, if you, if you really would pray more, and if you would really love more, and if you would really read more, and if you would really, if you really loved God, you wouldn't be battling this at all. And I would tell them, well, why don't you go talk to Elijah and David and Isaiah, and why don't you go talk to these people in scripture that, that loved God passionately, but you, you could tell these men and these women really struggled. Jeremiah, take, take it to another level. How about Martin Luther struggle with it? Mother Teresa struggled with it. Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest revivalists of all time said this. He said, I have been in more depression more days than anybody in this room. That's what he said from the stage one day. Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest revivalists that ever spoke, that ever preached God's word, also struggled with major depression. And so I just want everybody in this room and those that are watching online today just to know it's okay to not be Okay it's just not okay to stay there. Are y'all with me? It's okay to not be okay. Everybody say that with me. It's okay to not be okay, it's just not okay it's just not okay to stay there. And so I want us today to look, we're gonna look at uh, a man of God. This guy was a fierce man of God, an incredible prophet in the Old Testament that God mightily used by the name of Elijah. So if you have your Bibles, we're gonna go to 1 Kings chapter 19. We're gonna go there. While you're turning there, I, want to, I wanna fill you in on a little bit of the backstory of Elijah. Elijah's resume is incredible, not only is he a prophet, but he's an incredible man of God. This guy saw some absolutely amazing miracles happen through him, through his life. Well, one time there was a widow, he went to her house and the widow's son died tragically. And he said, uh-uh, not on my watch. And he walked in and, and raised this boy f- from death to life. I mean, no, you, you're pretty bad if that's happening. I just wanna let y'all know, I've not done that yet. <laughs> I know, maybe you thought so, but I have never done that one yet, all right? This, this guy was in the desert, in the desert, had, had no food in anything, and, and God was providing food with him. Ravens were dropping food on him in the desert. How crazy would that be? You're like, man, I'm so hungry, and, and then like just Happy Meals just dropping on you just <laughs> all over, Come on, that's another level. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, oh, you need some food right here, right? You know, I just pull one of these. Like, just dropping fruit, food. There was water that was just coming out of the desert in places that water should never be coming from. There was just incredible stories of what this man has done. And then if you if you go and you read uh, in in 1 Kings 18, it's just a powerful story of what happens. But what, this guy was so incredible. Okay, he he had a foot race with a horse and beat the horse. (laughs) I've been running lately. That's fast. (laughs) Like real fast. In 1 Kings 18, we're gonna read in 1 Kings 19 in just a minute, but in 1 Kings 18, just to set up the, the, the moment, this is like Elijah's pinnacle moment. It's him against 450 false prophets of Baal. All the gods, Baal and Ashereth, and all their gods, got all of their prophets together. And he, he pretty much challenged them to a duel and said, we're going to find out whose God is the real God. And he said, okay, let's do this. And so it's him, uno, single, against 450 of their prophets. And so the gentleman he is, he was like, ladies first. <laughs> and so they, they put their, put their, put their uh, sacrifice on the altar and they go around and do all their little chants. And I love Elijah. I love Elijah, because he's a trash talker. Yeah. Yeah. Don't play games with me, because I'm talking trash too. I, so I, this is a man of God that talks trash. Come on, Kobe, you know what I'm talking about? All right, so we're right there. we like to talk trash with one another. And so, so, so he's saying things like, maybe your God went to the bathroom. Like go read the Bible. This is I'm not making this stuff up. This is like maybe your God, maybe maybe he's making a sandwich. Like maybe he just can't hear you. What's going on, guys? And they're like cutting themselves to try to get. And so finally, after just hours and hours and hours of this, he says, "Y'all move out the way." And he steps up to the plate and he says, hey, I'm gonna up the ante a little bit here. I want y'all to go and grab as much water as you can. I want you, to, I want you to dig trenches around this. I want you to pour water all over the altar and I want you to pour water all around it. And then literally with one little small prayer, he says this, oh Lord, prove your God. And fire comes down from heaven. And in that moment, how many of you know it'd be like, told you. <laughs> on top of that, watch this. On top of that, he says, kill all the other guys. And they slay all 450 prophets. You a bad man after all that. Okay, I don't know if he got to be a part of that, but he slayed all those. Okay. So, so the pinnacle moment, pinnacle moment. I mean, you think, how many you know after that moment you'd feel like God's on your side. Anybody? Like, God hears your prayers, God is with you, God loves you, all of that, okay. So now go to the next chapter, okay? The next chapter, because I want you to see something here. Because Elijah has his greatest achievement in ministry, only followed by what's gonna become his greatest discouragement in life. And that's often what happens, we go to our greatest moments, And then how many know we leave this place on a Sunday feeling high and then Sunday afternoon hits and you get news or all hell breaks loose and here we are in this moment, 1 Kings 19. I want you to think, man, of God, fire from heaven. 1 Kings 19, verse one, let's look at it. It says this, when Ahab, so this is the king that he's going up against, Got home, he told his wife. I mean, that's what husbands do. Tell you why? what happened? Oh, let me tell you what happened. So Jezebel, he told her everything that Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all of the prophets. Oh, so he did get to get in on it. Oh man, he's a bad man, okay. So Jezebel, watch this. She sends a message to Elijah, okay? So she DMs him, says, hey, I got a message for you. This would be nowadays, okay, this is, <laughs> all right. And she said, may the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I haven't killed you just as you've killed them. All right? All right? So, okay, watch this. You just gotta put this into context. One guy against 450 men slays them all. One woman slides up in his DMs and says, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you out. I'm taking you out. And watch what happens in verse three, and Elijah was afraid. afraid, and he fled for his life. Brother didn't leave for 450 men. One woman, he's on the run. Come on, that's a bad woman right there. I was like, <laughs> don't you ever, I was like, don't you ever turn on mama. Mama coming for you. And so he runs, and he went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, And and, and I wanna wanna show you some some highlights. We're gonna come to this, but I'm gonna gonna show you in just a minute why these are highlighted red. But it says, he left what? He left his servants there, and then he went alone alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. Okay, now watch the next verse. Here we go. And so he sat down on a solitary broom tree, and he what? He prays, okay? Sounds good. He must have had to pray for his bracelet, okay? (laughs) He prayed. Fortunately, Look what he prayed for, Pray that he would die. And he says this, I've had enough. I've had enough. Had enough what? I mean, you just came from the most amazing moment in your entire life. One woman tells you she's gonna take you out and all of a sudden that's enough? Yeah. Like I've had, I've had enough, Lord. And then he goes on and he says, Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died, and then he laid down and he slept under the broom tree. Okay, so let's look at Elijah's life here, let's look at this moment in his life and let's let's begin to unpack some things that I believe God wants to tell us when it comes to fighting depression. Man of God goes into deep depression in literally a matter of moments from one conversation, really just not even a conversation, one letter, and how many know that can be so us? Man, we're doing so good, so good. And one comment someone makes on your Facebook page can just throw you into a spiral. One comment a coworker makes or a child makes or a spouse makes or one thing, you could be on a great high and that one thing can just bring you back into an utter place of despair and I think there's a couple of reasons why this happened in Elijah's life, and I want us to unpack these. So I'm going to give you three easy steps to get depressed. This is an encouraging message today. I just want to let you know. We will get to the good stuff, okay? We're going to talk about how to fight depression, but I, I, need, to, I need to expose how the enemy is getting after us when it comes to depression. And the first one is this, you wear yourself out. You wear yourself out. You wear yourself out. I'm tired of this lie that if you're struggling with depression, it's because you're not spiritual enough. And people give very just cliche answers like, well, you need to go pray some more or you need to just go read your Bible some more. And I mean, no, that's just not always the case. You can read your Bible all day long and you can pray all day long and still be battling Great Depression. I think what we see here is Elijah had just been in some major spiritual warfare. He was trusting God, seeking God, calling on God, fighting Baal, killing 450 guys. I mean, this guy was doing the work of God. He had so much going on in his life. Let me tell you, I think he was tired. I think he was just tired. The Bible says when he got to the broom tree, he sat down and just went to bed. And Many of us are fighting depression, really, honestly, because your schedule is so overloaded, your life is so packed, you are wearing yourself out, we burn the candle on what? Both ends. Both ends. All right? And then what ends up happening is we go, I don't know why I'm so tired. Because you wear yourself out. We don't realize that, that the Ten Commandments, one of those commandments is to honor the Sabbath. It, it seems like murder and committing adultery and stealing are high up there. But for some reason, honoring the Sabbath is optional. But you know, that's a commandment just as much as everything else is. But for some reason, we believe that we get a pass on that one, we can do whatever we want. And so we work seven days a week and we're constantly going at a, at a lightning speed. And, and when we talk to people and hey, how are you doing? Are your word is usually busy? Man, it's just busy right now. It's just busy, man. We just got a lot going on and travel baseball is happening and then we got, we got school and then I'm working overtime and then I've got this going on and then we got church and then we got this and we got that and we, got, and we just, so much that's happening right now and the place that he ran to in this moment, he was totally and physically exhausted. Some of you moms feel this. Yes. You work a full-time job, take care of the house, cook dinner, cart kids all over the world with sports trying to be involved in church as much as you can, getting in your life group, trying to take care of your husband, trying to take care of it, and you're just like, I'm just tired. I'm just done. I'm just done. And how many know when you are physically tired, your emotions reflect it? Yes. How many know you're only snappy when you're hungry, lonely, tired? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all, y'all seen the hangry Snickers commercial, right? That's what we call that in our house. When Lindsay is on that little, she needs something type of eat, like it's like, y'all get out the way and throw her a bar and close the door. <laughs> like RX bar, it don't matter. Just throw something in the room and then just close the door. And and, and then oftentimes we'll just say, hey, listen, go, I, watch this. S- for some of you, the most spiritual thing you can do is to go take a nap. Yes. Come on, I mean, catching a witness there on that one. Like, oh, ha- hallelujah. Okay, like, <clears throat> like, Many of us are just depressed because we're just exhausted. And when you're exhausted, you just make stupid decisions. Your emotions are just all over the map just because you're, you're worn out and you're physically exhausted. And so I, I think a part of this is just, man, this guy's been running at a very high octane for a long time. You see all before these chapters, all the things that he was doing. He was doing ministry. He was doing all these great things for God. But how many know you can do great things for God and still get exhausted and tired. Y'all know that Jesus modeled this to us. Jesus would be in the middle of people and then just step out and walk away and everybody would be like, where's Jesus at? And they are like, I don't know, where'd he go? And the Bible said he would just go up to a mountain, just go pray, just be by himself. Like Jesus modeled this to us of this importance of just getting away and stepping away and pausing and going, no, 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 no. Mm-mm, I'm not gonna do anything right now. Your, your, your body is not wired just to be going constantly, 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 constantly. And so depression can definitely settle in when you're just physically and emotionally tired. So you wear yourself out. Number two, you shut people out. You shut people out. Watch what that verse said. It says, when Elijah was afraid and he fled for his wife and he went to Beersheba a town in Judah and he, and he left his servants there and then he went Alone into the. How many know when you go into the wilderness? Don't go alone. (laughs) Like if you're gonna go in the wilderness, don't don't go by yourself. I mean, unless the Spirit of God is calling you, like He did for Jesus. Here he is in the moment, and he abandons his closest friend, his servant. And if we're um, we're very honest, depression can push us to isolate ourselves. It will. It's it's the one place where you, you begin to make excuses for why you can't be around people. And, and, and so we say things like, well, I don't wanna call them. I, I know they're busy. I don't wanna burden them. And I don't wanna, and, and, and the enemy will throw all these things at you for why you shouldn't call somebody, but you know inside of you, you need to call somebody, but you're, everything inside of you is like, no, 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 don't call, don't call. Uncle, you got this, you can handle this. You got this on your own. You've been saying you can handle this for a year. And you haven't been handling it. And I'm gonna tell you right now, when it comes to fighting depression, you need to understand that you can't make it on your own. There are people around you who love you. And, and oftentimes the most overlooked resource that God gives us when it comes to fighting depression is the person sitting next to you. How many you know some of the greatest gifts God's given you are the people in this church right here sitting behind you, beside you, around you? Maybe it's a... Maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's whatever, but, but you can't do this alone. And the enemy's gonna tell you that you're the only one that's going through this, so you definitely don't wanna talk about it because you're the only one and people are gonna think that you're weird if you do tell them what's really going on. And, and so you don't say anything and so you don't invite anybody and then it just isolates you over to somebody uh, to be by yourself. And, and, and if you don't talk to someone, watch this, watch this. If you don't talk to someone, you'll take it out on everyone. I'm gonna say that again. If you don't talk to someone, you take it out on everyone. And then everybody's like, what's his deal? I don't know, he won't talk about it. Yeah, because we need to be able to process it out because we're only as sick as our secrets. And so listen, God can't heal anything that we keep hiding. So anything that we keep hiding in our life, and that's how the enemy wants to do, he wants to keep you hidden, he wants to keep you out, he wants to keep people out, because you need people to get through the darkness of the soul. You can't do it alone. The enemy loves to go and isolate and put us in these places. And I'm gonna tell you right now, life-giving friendships are are not luxury, they're necessities. They're necessities. They're necessities. So, um, so y'all see the shirt that I'm wearing, which is this run to save lives. This is one of my good friends and overseers here, Ralph Reed, that's running right now. And, uh, he's running right now, by the way, Ralph, if you're, if you're running, we love you. And, I uh, thank him and Sheila, they're watching right now. And so they are right now in, at the Suella place running and he's running 48 miles over 48 hours, a mile every hour. And, um, and so I, I went last night and ran with him a little bit. And then I went this morning and I ran with him a little bit. And, um, and we were talking about this because Ralph has had a lot of thoughts of suicide. He's had family members and close friends that have committed suicide. Um, and so uh, about a year ago, he, he told me, he said, man, I have this God dream. I, I don't know if it's God or not, but I just feel like I should be do, doing this run. And he said, you know, God has delivered me from from." suicidal thoughts and uh, depression still there, but man, he's really delivered me. And I, I want to take what has been my pain and I want to turn it into a message to help other people. And so I'm like, man, let's, let's do this. You, you need to do this. And I said, what, what do you want to do? And he told me the idea. And I was like, that's crazy. And he's like, exactly. He said, I'm gonna tell you why I think I should do this is because the reason is because there's going to come a point in this race at whatever point where I'm not going to want to go on anymore. And he's like, that's how people feel when they get to almost the borderline of suicide is i can't go on anymore. And so i went to him this morning and we were running and i said, "Man, what has it been like?" I mean, i said, H- "Who's been running with you?" He said, "I haven't ran 1 mile by myself." I haven't ran 1 by myself. <laughs> by myself. If you want to get through the darkness of soul, don't run by yourself. Don't run by yourself. And, and, and what's crazy in here, we can have a room packed with people and some of you feel still so lonely. Isn't it amazing that social media f- makes you feel so connected, but yet we're more disconnected than ever? Yeah. This is how the enemy works. Don't run alone. Don't run alone. Number three, another reason why I think we fight with depression is not only do we wear ourselves out and not only do we shut people out, but of course we shut God out. We shut God out. This is huge here. You know what's crazy is, watch this. He's, he's afraid that a woman's gonna kill him. And so he asked God to kill him. He's afraid, it seems like he's afraid to die. But he wants God to kill him. Watch this. I don't think he was actually scared of dying. Because if he was was scared of dying, he wouldn't tell God to kill him. I think he was scared of not being in control. Because he wasn't in control of the situation. And many of us in here understand exactly what that's like. When things are out of your control, your emotions are all over the place. Listen, I, I totally understand that. I like things a certain way and like things to go a certain way and I like to have things done a certain way and I man, I understand what that's like and when, when there's plans that are different than what my plans are, that's not cool. Like, and here he is, he's got a woman that, that she's like, now I'm in control and I'm gonna, I'm gonna find you and I'm coming. And he is in this place where he's, he's kind of out of control. But when you think about it, think about this. All the things that he has seen, God has supernaturally protected him. God has supernaturally provided for him. God brought birds to feed him. God has seen him raise people from the dead. God has provided water. God has, God has brought fire down from, and, and, and he thinks that God's not in control? Think about how one moment you go from God, just show that you're God, woof, yeah. To the next moment, like, kill me. God, kill me. God, kill, like, God, I don't think you can, can you handle this woman? This must have been a bad woman, I'm just telling you right now. Like, for him to think, God, you can't even handle, I don't know if you can handle, I know you got the 450, I don't know if you can handle this one. And, and so so he shuts God out of, the situation and he, and he brings himself to go, you know what, let's just, let's, let's just die right here. And, and, and watch this. When you shut God out, here's, here's, here's the thing that God brings into the equation that most of us don't realize. When God is in the equation, we always have hope. We always have hope. When God is, the Bible says that when people die, we grieve, but we don't grieve as if people with no hope. We grieve with people who have hope. So when you go through hell, when God is with you, you still have hope because he's with you. And you know that if he's with you, he will protect you. He'll bring you through it. He'll get you on the other side of it. But when you don't have God, you don't have hope. And when you don't have hope, you want to end it all. And over the last couple of years, God, it has broken my heart. I've probably done just as many suicide funerals as I have done others. You get a person to the place to think, I have no hope, why should I live anymore? Some of you have felt that. But I just want you to hear me and whether you're watching online or you're here in this room, suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. It's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And I know it seems like a viable option, but it's not. It's not because, listen, because you think that somehow this is going to end all the pain, but all it's going to do is exponentially create more pain for everybody else around. And then what it does from there as well, listen to me. If you're still having pain in this moment, that just means you're alive. And if you're alive and you're breathing, that means God is still with you. And if God is still with you, listen, if you're not dead, you're not done. God has more. God wants to do something. God has a plan for you. I need you to listen to me. God loves you and that's not just some trite thing. And one of the ways he loves you is he puts you in a spiritual family with people who will love you and care for you. And you go, well, my family's all jacked up. Join the crew. By the way, our spiritual family's a little jacked up too. But, but it's so important for you to realize that God's put you around people, like nobody wants me. That these are all the lies that we hear. I can't get this through this. I'm never gonna change. It's always gonna be the same. And what we do is we end up shutting God out of it. And so so I love what Corey Tim Boone said. I, I use this quote all the time, but I think it's one of her greatest quotes. And I think it's so applicable to what we're, we're doing. She says if you look to the world, you're gonna be distressed. If you look inside yourself, you're going to be depressed. If you look to Jesus, you're going to find some rest. Come on, this is so true. Depression is constantly looking in and looking in and looking in and looking in. And all it does is brings us to more depression and more depression and more depression. And then if you look at the world and all the stuff that's going on around us, how many know all that is just straight up stress? But Jesus creates an invitation that says, come to me, all who are weary And I will give you rest. And I don't think this is just physical rest. I think this is emotional rest, mental rest. Some of you have been, you're just, your wheels have been turning. I talked about this last week. Like you you wake up, your mind starts going. You go to bed, your mind starts going. And man, I'm just praying that you just find some rest. That you just go, God, you got this. God, you got this. Because how many you know there are things that you can control and there's a lot of things you can't control? And many of us take the things that we can't control and we try to control them and then we tell God to do the things we can control. You know what I mean? Like there are things that God tells you that only you can do, he won't do for you. Stop taking God's job, but let God do his job. And so, so, so we can't, we can't wear ourselves out, can't shut people out, we can't shut God out. You do those three things, I guarantee you, you will be depressed. So how do we fight depression? Because that's really what this is all about. How do we, how do we fight this and how do we overcome this? And, and by the way, I don't know if this is something you absolutely always overcome. I think this always comes back. I think it wants to keep coming. It wants to keep going after you. Now you gain, gain greater and greater victory, of course, in these things, your mind gets stronger. And that gets a little weaker, and that gets a little less, but I think it's always gonna come back. There are tools that God gives us when it comes to us fighting this, and we can actually look in the story of Elijah and see this. So how do we fight it? Watch this. Number one, get some food and rest. (laughs) Like, go eat. Like, take a nap. Watch, watch, watch what happens, okay? So he falls asleep. Watch what the verse says. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and Watch this, watch this. So he's like, take my life. I can't handle this anymore. God does not send an angel to him and go, man of God, are you serious? You know the Bible. Stop that. Quit that. Pity party. Get yourself up. You are a man of God. Like he doesn't do that. He says, hey, let's eat. What? No lecture? No. Come grab some raisin canes, okay? Come on, somebody. <laughs> All right. That's not God's chicken, though. We got to go to Chick-fil-A. Okay, so <clears throat> get up and eat. All right. So watch this. So he looked around, and there beside his head was bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water that, by the way, Elijah didn't put there. I know mean, oh, God will give you nourishment in ways that you can't do yourself. He just provided in the middle of a desert. Where'd this water come from? It don't matter. Just drink. And so he ate and he drank. And then guess what? Took another nap. Then the angel of the Lord came to him again a second time and touched him and said, man of God, don't you know the scriptures? You should be up quoting scriptures. No. He says, get up. Eat some more. It's like a buffet. I love this, man. It's incredible. He said, or the journey ahead is gonna be too much for you. And so he got up and he ate and he drank and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Notice, notice what happens. Sometimes the, the most spiritual thing you can do is to eat and get some rest. And listen, I know, I know, I know, I hear this because I say this. Man, I got so much to do. I just got so much to do. My wife literally has to call me and tell me to eat. Like, I will work throughout the day, I don't eat breakfast, which my health coach is very on me for that if you're watching. I ate a snack this morning. Um, <laughs> I did, I'm not lying, okay? Just hands on the Bible. Um, and because and I've, I've noticed, like, I'll work. I'll, I'm, I'm, who's that type of person? Like You'll just work. Like, I will eat after I'm done working. Yeah. I'll just work, 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 work. But what ends up happening is, is when I do that all day, because I'll, I'll miss breakfast, I'll miss lunch, and I'll just eat dinner. Like, I am not the same person at night. Like, this is not good. I'm, I'm running on fumes. And I realized like, that's maybe a part of my life because I drive my car that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just pull in like on zero, like, yeah. like You are a fool, you are an idiot. I am. Because the ability just to stop and take a break and rest, stop, take a break and rest. It's the story of the two guys that were chopping wood, had a wood chopping competition who could chop the most. And one guy was just chopping, going, going. He was like me, man, just competitive. Like I'm going to chop the most. I'm going to chop the most. And trees are falling. He's going crazy. And this guy's chopping and it's going. But every once in a while, every about 15, 20 minutes, he'd see this guy go off for like 10 minutes. And then he'd come back and he'd start chopping again. This guy's just going. He's, man, he's just thanking it. So he did that all throughout the day. Every 15 to 30 minutes, he would go stop and go off and then come back. And so they came back at the end of the day and they, they started counting the trees, and the guy was like, For sure, this guy's taking like 20 breaks. I've destroyed him. And when they figured out the count, the other guy chopped down more trees than he did. And he said, How in the world did you do that? You took like 20 breaks. He says, I was sharpening the axe. Hey, by the way, do you know every morning when you get in God's presence, he's sharpening the axe. He's sharpening the axe. Some of y'all are so dull right now because the only time you sharpen it is on Sunday. And so it may last you to Monday or Tuesday, but come Wednesday, Thursday or Friday, your emotions are all over the place because you don't stop to sharpen the axe. God wants you to just stop and say, hey, can you just for a moment just be and not do? Can you just be with me? Can you just be? And here we are in this moment. The angel tells him, man, let's just eat. For some of y'all, the most spiritual thing you could do if you're in a place of depression is just go have dinner with a friend. I know, super spiritual, right? Like, just go and be honest and share your heart. Like, you don't need another Bible study. Yeah. Is the word of God powerful in our life? Absolutely. Do we need to take our thoughts captive like we talked about last week? Yes, absolutely. Do we need to know scripture and quote it? Absolutely. And all those things have their place. But you notice right here, nothing in here talks about praying or or reading scripture or spending more time with God. In this moment, he just needed to eat, rest. Oh, and by the way, he says, you need to go to Mount Sinai. This is the place where the 10 commandments Moses received the Ten Commandments. This is where Moses met with God. Hey, by the way, you know what he's saying? You need to rest, eat, and go get with God. You need to get around church. You need need to get around some people. You need to get around some people that are going to do this for you. So, how do we fight depression? Number one, we get some food and we rest. Number two, get honest. Get honest. So, watch what happens now. Uh, verse nine, so God sends him off now to go to Mount Sinai. Uh, he's, he's already eaten. He's, he's physically recharged now. So he goes to Mount Sinai and he goes to, really God has a, has a moment waiting for him to meet with God. And it says, there he came to a cave where he spent the night, sleep again. <laughs> but the Lord said to him, what? what he, hey, by the way, Every time God asks a question, it's cuz he doesn't know the answer. How you know God knows the answer? He sent him there. So why does God ask questions he already knows the answer to? Watch this, because he wants to know if you know the answer. He wants to know if you'll be honest. Hey, what are you doing here? And look at the next verse he says, Elijah replied, "I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty." That's true. He has, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. That is true, they have. They've torn down your altars, true again. They've killed every one of your prophets, true again. All right, these are are all true things that he's saying. Watch the next verse, it says this. I am the only one left, not true. And now they are trying to kill me too. That is true. Watch this, this is so huge here. Because if you go and you continue to read this story, God's actually going to correct them because there's over 7,000 other Israelites who have not bowed down to them. And, and how many know the devil loves to use words like never and always? You're the only one. You're all, it's always just you, no one else. No, no one else knows what this is like. It's always, watch this, watch this, watch this. So the enemy loves using words like never and always. You're never gonna change. You're never gonna make it. You're never gonna get married. You're never gonna be accepted. You're always gonna be depressed. You're always gonna be alone. You're always gonna fail. And I love this because God fights the enemies never and always with his own never and always. Watch this. Let me show you what his never and always looks like. I'm gonna give you a couple of them here if you wanna write some of these down. Lamentations 321, but this I call to mind and therefore I I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases and his mercy... Never come to an end, and they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Come on, these are good words that God reminds us of his nevers. Look at the next one. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He says, okay, I got your nevers. Let me show you some more nevers. Here we go. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Matthew says it this way. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Next verse says, his ways are always prosperous. Psalms says it this way. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So watch this, listen to me. Oftentimes what ends up happening is is we focus on our feelings instead of focusing on the truth. And I'm here today to tell you, you gotta focus on what you know is true, not what you feel is true because just because you feel it's true doesn't mean it's true. It is true to you. It's okay to have those feelings. God created us with emotions. God is an emotional being. He cried. He wept. He mourned. This is the God that we serve. Your emotions are totally fine. You should, you should soak in those emotions for a moment. Find out where those emotions are coming from, but you got to make sure that you don't focus on what you feel more than what you know. You got to know What God's word says when it comes to this, and this is what we see with the prophet here. He's coming to them and saying, well, I'm the only one left. And God goes and tells him and reminds him, no, you're not the only one left. There's 7,000 other ones. God reminds them of the truth. And it's very, very important that we understand this when it comes to the battle of depression. I need everybody to listen. Don't just listen to yourself. Talk to yourself. Well, you go, that's weird. It's not weird because you're already doing it right? (laughs) No one talks to you more than you. So I'm just saying today, listen, you need to listen to what you're feeling, feel how you're feeling, but then you've got to get to the place where you got to talk to yourself. The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. We got to get around some people, of course, that can encourage us as well. The most influential person in your life is you. So we've got to be a place where we get Honest with God, God, how am I feeling? This was totally honest, He was totally transparent. This is how He felt, He felt like He was the only one. That's perfectly fine. And God will remind Him in that moment, You're not alone, you're not the only one, that I am with You. But it first starts with us just being honest with where we're at. And if there's anything I want for today, it's just for us just to be honest, How's everything going? Oh, it's all good, don't lie. Sometimes when people ask you that, like, how's it going? You need to respond with, do you really want to know? Yes. <laughs> hey, by the way, don't ask that question to somebody unless you really want to know. Are y'all with me? <laughs> how's, how's your week been going? You sure you want to go there? We can go there, but we'll be here for 35 minutes. I'm just letting you know. But that's okay. Okay. Like you, you need to be able to have that. So, so we've got it. We've got to get some food and get some rest, and then, and then we need to get honest. Let me give you the third. We need to, we need to get close. We need to get close. First Kings now verse verse eleven says now that he's he's standing out in this cave, God tells him go out and stand before me on the mountain, and the Lord told him, and as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. Next verse. <clears throat> go. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But what? The lord's not in the wind. And then after the wind, there was this earthquake. You know, remember, there's all this mighty stuff that he's seen God do. And the Lord wasn't, wasn't in the earthquake. And then after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was what? Not in the fire. And then after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And I love that it says that there's a the sound of a gentle whisper. And I'm gonna tell you why this this means so much to me. Because sometimes when you're at your lowest, God speaks the softest. And when God speaks the softest, it's because he's the closest. When God can get your attention with a whisper, you know he's close. And some of you right now, that's been the lie of the enemy is that you're all alone. You're so far from God. And even though you feel so far from him, he's actually closer to you than you can imagine. And here he is, God draws draws him close in this moment. Sometimes it's just a word. And I think if you'll listen closely in these moments, you're gonna hear things like, I'm here. I'm with you. I love you. We're gonna make it. I got gotcha. you. Some of you need to hear that. Because what, what depression will do is because it isolates, the only voice that you hear is yours and your voice Oftentimes is very different from his voice. Your voice says, I'm not gonna make it. I'm always gonna fail. This is never gonna change. And how many know our voices are loud? Loud, loud, loud. So God comes in a still small voice and and he whispers. He whispers you're a parent in here you know the power of this because you can get very powerful statements across to your kids with whispers you ever had your kids just acting a fool and you just pull them aside and you're like it's not gonna go well (laughs) or how many of you heard this one wait till we get home I mean i remember that one and then it was like I'm on death row I'm on death row it's like and then sometimes, if it was like your mom or dad, you didn't even need the whisper, you just needed the look. Yes. Yeah. You'd be eating lunch, and then they would just look over at you, and you're like, I'm done, I'm done. But it's amazing, though, at the same time, just as much as God can do that, and we can do that with our children in a corrective manner. I've also watched as I've pulled my sons close and say, I'm proud of And how much that fortifies their soul because they hear every other voice around them telling them they're not enough, telling them they won't make it. You and I hear that same voice. Watch this. And sometimes God whispers to us through other people. He'll bring other people into your life. Just to encourage you to keep going. So we need to get close. And then last one, and we're done. We gotta get moving. We gotta get moving. First Kings 19, now verse 15, it says, So then the Lord tells Elijah, has this moment with him. Which by the way, we don't know what God said in the whisper. Not quite sure. But I know that it was enough for him to now say, then the Lord told him, Go go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive there, I want you to anoint Hazel to be the king of Aram. Watch the next verse. And then I want you to anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be the king of Israel. And then I want you to anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel. Yep, we're gonna skip that one. (laughs) To replace you as my prophet. Now watch this, watch this. This is huge. Elijah, I just want you to go back and do what you were doing. I just want you to get back in the game. You took a break. You good? You've rested. You've got some truth. You've gotten close. But but the game's not over. Your mission's not over. Get back up. Go again. Let's go. And watch this, because depression will say to you, you're done, you can't go anymore, how could you go back and do something? You said you weren't gonna do that again and you went back and did the same thing over and over again. And now, how I many know that's, that's the voice of depression, that's the voice of the enemy that comes and says, you can't do that? How, how, you're not qualified to do that. How dare you tell somebody to do that? And God says, no, 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 I still got a mission from you. You're not dead, you're not done. Go back, go find this guy, anoint him, go find this guy, anoint him, go find this guy, anoint him. And, and I'm gonna tell you today, some of you, your moms go back, do, be a mom again, just be a mom again. Some of you in your business, go back and do your business again. Go back and do your ministry again. Go back to your passions again. I love that. I love the story with Ralph in this. This is, this is how Ralph's story has so encouraged me. What God meant to take him out, he is now using as a mission to other people to spread hope. How I many you know, that's going back. Hey, that's going back to the enemy going, ha, 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 ha. You can't take me out. Hey, watch this. You might knock me down, but you didn't knock me out. It's time to get back up. And I'm going to say that to some of you in here. You may have gotten knocked down. The wind might be knocked out of you, but listen, you are not knocked out. Get up. Get back to it. God's got something for you. God's got a plan for you. God loves you. God's fighting for your marriage. God's fighting for your heart. God's fighting for your kids. Keep loving. Keep praying. Keep dreaming. Keep serving. Keep going. Don't stop. A righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up again. It's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay there. And God says, listen, it's okay for you to come out into the tree and hang out and let's have a little meal and all that stuff. That's good. And we had our moment in the cave and man, I spoke to you, but listen, get back out there. There's still work to be done. By the way, the man that he anoints named Elisha went and did double the what he did. But imagine if he would have got stuck in that depression. Imagine if God really would have taken him out. Imagine what would have happened. God was able to do through him, even in his dysfunction. So today, wherever you are, I just pray that over you. I pray that God would just give you clarity of mind. I pray that God would give you the boldness to be honest. Tell somebody. Grab some people. Grab a person. It doesn't matter, but don't leave this place still holding on to all of that and letting the enemy continue to lie. Amen. Amen. Father, today, in this moment, we, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that you, you're whispering to us, you're drawing us to yourself, even in this moment. And I, I pray, God, as we, as we ask you to search our hearts and search our minds, God, that you would reveal the strategies and the tactics of the enemy, and I pray right now, God, that that, that that would be broken off of people in Jesus' name. God, I pray, Lord, that there would be honesty that flows in this house. No more faking. No more faking. God, I pray that honesty would flow and where honesty flows, it would be met with grace. It would be met with love. It would be met with support. It would be met with help. God, Lord, may our church be a beacon of hope and life and help to those that are hurting. God, may this be a place where people can pull the mask off and say, no, this is me. This is how I've really been feeling. This is what I've really been thinking. This is what's really been going on. And God, we thank you that in those honest, transparent moments, we experience the love and the grace and the mercy and the strength of God like never before. And God, I pray that today. I pray that today. Thank you, God, that if we're not dead, we're not done. And I speak right now to the spirit of suicide that it has to leave in Jesus' name. It has to be broken in Jesus' name. Every person who hears my voice right now, devil, you will not have your hands on them anymore. Remove your claws out of their heart and out of their minds. And I pray right now that the spirit of God would flood their heart and mind. May they know they're loved. May they know they're valued. May they know that you have such great things for them. God, we know that you have a plan for them and a purpose for them. And I pray what the enemy meant to take them out, God, you would use as a testimony and as a ministry to those around them. God, we thank you today, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. God, we surrender our lives to you right now. God, we surrender ourselves to you. God, we, we want to sharpen the ax. God, may us be a people to sharpen the ax. Every day, get into your presence. Let your word just begin to cleanse us from the top down. God, we invite you to come and have your way. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 Come on, can we love Jesus in this place?